Welcome to the Future Think podcast from the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with my colleague, Andrew Maynard, we chat with a variety of experts on and off campus about science, technology, innovation, and policy. This podcast brings you the hallway conversations where we think about our collective future. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Heather. So you found this thing. Yeah, so actually it was a press release. So I, okay. I get these press releases. So it found you. So it found me. Yeah. Yes. So some, somebody found me <laughs> thinking that I would probably love to either create a podcast about this or write about this. Clearly. But, but let, let me read this subject line. All right. So the subject line is, new free online test uses minority report like tech so remember the movie minority report yes what, what it was, was it? The, like the with the moving with the theremin almost like motion right yeah. right but but they they predicted when you might um, commit a crime. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and then yes. They, so, yeah. so you were. You, I think wasn't it? You were arrested or something before you actually committed. Anyway, yes, so, yes. so this says free online test uses minority report like tech to find out if you are predisposed to negative or bad behavior. Okay. So I, I followed up on this. This was troublesome, and yes. intriguing. Yes. Um, to to try and find more. <laughs> this is about and it's a free online test you can take from this company called verisbenchmarks.com um, and what you do is you take the test it's a little bit like a sort of personality profile test mm -hmm. and it tells you what your predisposition is to being a white collar criminal versus an honest person right okay so there are so many problems with this uh, yes. already <laughs> yes what so it white collar crime as opposed to any other version of crime right. how and, and do they know so right and well so first of all the the company makes the argument that white collar crime sort of basically what your your workers are doing is a serious issue so if you could mm -hmm. sort of screen out the ones that are going to be troublemakers wouldn't that be great right. um, which is really difficult to start with mm -hmm. but they thought they could do this by profiling white collar criminals. Okay. So, so the way they developed the database was they went to uh, interview a whole bunch of white collar criminals and develop this profile and then supposedly if you answer these 20 or so questions mm -hmm. it works out whether you're like them or you're not like them. Okay so as a researcher how did they identify their white collar criminals to interview? It's, so that is very unclear with this. All we know is that um, Veris's chief scientist went to a prison and talked to people. Oh my god, which IRB gave him <laughs> right. that, oh my god, oh, oh. Right, oh. right. So, okay. so, so we have a methodological <laughs> problem here. Um, yeah. and, and one of the reasons we can tell that it's probably highly suspect is um, that you and I and a number of people here have taken the test. Yes, And we we've have. seen some really interesting results. Yes. So I should probably let you go first well, and explain. Well, no. Well, tell us about the test. Yes. I mean, tell so that our listening audience who has not already taken this test understands the context from which we go forth. Sure, yeah. So you, you sign into this website and um, it takes you through a, a series of I think it's about 20 questions, is it? Uh, maybe a few more. Right. The, like the, that, yeah. the, the personality questions, basically sort of probing um, what you would do in different situations and how you sort of approach personal relationships. So mm -hmm. things like, um, essentially, and this is a paraphrase, but, but do you like manipulating people? Mm -hmm. Do you think that you are 
um, sort of people don't recognize your true worth and, and right. do you sort of aim to make sure that people recognize how mm -hmm. great you are do you bend the truth to get what you want that's exactly like it this. yes yeah. yes and then so you go through this and then you get sent a report mm -hmm. that um, puts your felonious tendencies on a, a scale so Wait, can I say one other thing though yes before you even get to the questions they ask you about your demographics your they gender do. your age you, the industry you work in whether or not you manage people yes um, yeah and so they and they claim that they don't use that in the profile but but. I don't know where the assurances are. Uh, I have a research project coming up that I'm just thinking, coming up inside my head <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, just, but... <laughs> just to probe this. Okay, so you yeah. put in all of this information. You Actually, you've no idea where it's going to go. So we've, we've talked quite a bit in other podcasts about cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. So you've no idea sort of how your name and your demographic information, your personal information, is now being associated with this one number. Right. that is supposed to predict whether you're likely to um, commit crimes or not in the workplace. Right. So anyway, you get this report back and you get a number between zero and 100. So mm -hmm. the closer to zero you are, the more disposed apparently you are to committing white collar crimes. Right. And the closer to 100 you are, the more angelic you are apparently, the more trustworthy you are. Right. So you took, you found this first. I, I found it, it and I and I took it. Um, and uh, you have to realize that there's a graphic here, and mm -hmm. to the left of this graphic, there is this big red felon zone. Right. And I am. Oh, well, but who, like, if we were to have sort of a social figure that we all, you know, know and sort of understand to the degree that such a person is understandable, um, who sort of defines the felon zone? That you told me. When you t first told me about this. Oh, right. Oh, well, so, of course, I, we're talking about President-elect Trump. That's right. Yeah. And what was his number? So, well, actually, before I tell you what his number is, okay. I must just say that clearly the, the scientific basis of this test is nonsense. Uh, clearly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise you might think I was making a statement about the President-elect. But when you put what we know about his public persona mm -hmm. through this test... In 140 characters or less. He comes yeah. out as 1%. 1%. So he is okay. right, right at the far end of the felon zone. He is okay. fel as felonious as you can get. Okay. So, so I've now got to qualify this and say that when I took it, I came out also in the felon zone mm -hmm. at 19%. Right. And you came out at? 9%. So you are more felonious yeah. than I am. Yes, but not as felonious as President-elect Donald Trump. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yes. Yes. So, so which is interesting in itself. So mm -hmm. we've now had a, a bunch of colleagues here do this, and some of them have come out very felonious. Some of them have mm -hmm. come out not felonious. And I'm pretty sure... It's not because we're all out there just waiting for that opportunity to commit a white-collar crime. Right. So I'm so, you know, on one hand, I want to take my score of nine and say, look how creative I am. <laughs> right. Look how willing I am to not accept, you know, the truth as it is presented and, to and, me and, and, and be an academic. And, and can I just read your profile, actually? Oh, yes, so, please. So there are... There are profiles here. So the low scorers tend to act like this, according to the Veris Prime report. Regularly surrenders to the temptation of short-term personal gain from cutting corners, breaking the rules or bending a law, stretching the truth, telling people what they want to hear, even when you know it isn't true, 
failing to consider the consequences of one's actions, taking advantage of others and acting impulsively and taking unjustified risks. And I hate to say this, but as I read it out, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about President-elect Trump. Yes, indeed. But but obviously I'm in the same category, which both intrigues and worries me. Well, yes. So when you were answering those questions, sort of what frame were you using to answer those questions? And they say, you know, answer at, and it was a Likert scale from strongly disagree to strongly agree with neutral in the middle. And it said, answer as quickly as you can. So what, like, how did you frame your answer? So so when I was answering for myself, I was Mm -hmm. trying to be honest. Mm -hmm. I was trying not to game the system and think, well, honestly, Mm -hmm. how do I feel about this? And I actually had quite a lot of neutrals. Mm -hmm. I had I don't think I had any answers that were at the extremes, but sometimes they were one side or the other side of neutral. So I had a few answers that were at the extremes. Mm-hmm. I try because as a researcher who sometimes uses Likert scales, I get very frustrated by that middle because of the nobody road thing. Puts, yes. Right. So I try to be empathetic to one's, you know, research uh, findings. So right. I try to think, do I really, am I truly neutral or do I really agree or disagree? But then I was, but when I was thinking about frame and the questions about, you know, would you bend the truth? I was thinking about in the context of achieving a larger goal. Yes. And so I'm thinking about this like consequentialist, yes. you know, approach to decision making and engaging in projects and, um, you know, framing. So so that's how I was and, thinking. And about actually, it. so I, I was very much as well. So I, mm-hmm. you think about, so we're sitting here in an academic environment. Mm-hmm. There are complex relationships both with our students and our fellow faculty members and staff and everybody else that's part of this. And you tend to think about how you say things and make decisions that are going to make the whole work. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, with students, if you have a student that does really badly on an assignment, Mm -hmm. you don't go in and lay into them and sort of lay it out and tell them how awful they are. You you bend the truth, you, you use the truth in a way that encourages them to do better. Mm-hmm. So and that's the sort of thing that was going through my head. You use Absolutely. information in a smart way to achieve specific goals. Yep. And those goals in this particular context are usually about how you can actually empower somebody to do something better. Exactly. And that's mm-hmm. exactly how I was thinking about those questions, mm-hmm. which, you know, scores me as an <laughs> obvious felon. Right. Um, but, and I'm thinking, but I answered those questions trying to be an obvious sort of facilitator of other people and bringing them along as thinkers which, and doers. Which, which leads me to suspect that the very simplistic way that they've coded this means that you could fit multiple different types of people into the same category. Mm-hmm. So I, when I was taking this, and I've seen a number of other colleagues now, I got the impression that the sort of things that make us really good academics in terms of how we push boundaries, how we ask questions, uh-huh. how we probe deep, puts us also into the same category as obviously somebody discovered with a, a small bunch of white collar workers. Uh-huh. And I suspect the same is true for where you're very altruistic, but mm-hmm. actively altruistic, yeah. trying to make a difference. You're trying to find a way through a system to change things rather than maintain the status quo. I think so. And uh, isn't that what moves people into, quote? and this is a problematic, you know, uh, categorization, but white collar work anyway, uh, right? right? These are people who are not, you know, who are removing themselves from 
the proverbial factory floor. Right. To not just say, here's the next item on the conveyor belt. They want to make a difference and change things rather than maintain the status quo. Exactly. Mm. So all white-collar workers worth their salt should be scoring close to the bottom on this scale. So I, I would agree with that. And clearly there are multiple factors missing in terms of pulling apart that zone. Right. So, so clearly... From the methods perspective, there's something highly, highly dubious here. Oh, yeah. But there's also something that really worries me from the ethics perspective. Well, and how does this fit into your digital footprint, right? Well, that's right. So now imagine, and I was I was naive enough to actually use my own name when I did Yeah, this. see, I So, so now <laughs> there is a little block of data somewhere out on the internet that says Andrew Maynard is in the felon zone. He is in the felon zone. Yes. Right? And, and of course, and I might find that funny, but somebody else might actually take it seriously. Well, sure. And, uh, you know, it calls to mind the, I don't know if you've seen in sort of the, the higher education media, there are many academics who have been placed on this, like a watch list of sorts. I saw that, and, yes. And many, and the ones that I would like to converse with, many of the ones I would like to converse with, have you know, hold that up as a badge of honor, right? right? That and, and then some others say, but wait a second, why am I not on the watch right, list? Right, right. Yeah. But but here's where it gets tricky. So, I we're fairly secure in our environment here. We can sure. make a joke about this. We can use it as a badge of honor. But there are many, many people, most people I would say, where this is a huge liability. So Absolutely. imagine going for a job where your livelihood depends on that job. Absolutely. And you are required to take this test and you're not only labeled as a potential felon so you don't get the job, mm -hmm. but then that tracks you around other places you go. Sure. That has a major impact on you and you don't have the agency to do much about it. Absolutely. Along with things like um, your credit history right. that follows you to your place of or of potential future employment. You know, your health history, because if a company that's required to provide you with, uh, you know, with health insurance um, is going to insure you and you're an insulin dependent diabetic or right. you have a child with a chronic health condition, you're a very expensive employee to hire. Right. Um, so these are big problems. I am deeply troubled. I am. Yes. yes. Yeah, yes. I'm very I, deeply troubled for you who used your name. Right, you right, right, right. <laughs> so, so next week when somebody comes to my office and they stand outside and say, okay, you've got 15 minutes to clear it, you'll know why. Got it, got it. Right. A but, cardboard box. <laughs> right, right. But, but even this idea that you can predict whether somebody is likely to engage in criminal behavior is deeply troubling. It is nuts. Yes. And um, so on so many levels from a human rights, a human dignity perspective, mm -hmm. in terms of not actually judging somebody on sort of their potential or what they're capable of, mm -hmm. but actually penalizing somebody on what you hypothetically think they might do in the future. Right. Well, and I think too, this presumes that companies want people who don't push boundaries, people right. who aren't looking for alternatives, which I think is problematic for our economy, right? This it is. is. Presuming that this Veris Prime Report presumes that the best 
white collar workers are those who are drones are yes which, are drones. right which is not to say that our colleagues here in the so school I, of the future of innovation society are drones so I, and, and so we must impress that actually this doesn't tell you anything useful but exactly so. well so it's a problem yes. that this is in the public sphere and mm -hmm. being promoted and it was on the internet so it must be true promoted as a good right 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 this is a real problem it is and i so to be honest we have no idea whether anybody is paying attention to this but as you say because it's there it's clearly a service that this company is providing right. there's a reasonable chance that some companies are seriously looking at this which raised the question in a digital marketplace where anybody can put their ideas out like this, mm -hmm. how do you how do you deal with the potential consequences of that, and how do you raise awareness around making judgments of whether something is a good idea to use versus a bad idea? Right, absolutely, and I'm trying to reconcile this and its free availability to the masses on the internet with the free availability of the DIY self-driving car kit right. on yes. GitHub. And I don't know what is potentially more dangerous for society. <laughs> so I think that's a really good question. So it's easy superficially to say, Hacking a car mm -hmm. so it potentially might be dangerous on the road is more dangerous than just a website with a test like this. Right. But there are subtler risks mm -hmm. where because people aren't likely to take the, the online felonious index, mm -hmm. and, and that's my term, the felonious index mm -hmm. uh, website, because they're not likely to take it as seriously, it's more of a... a more of a, what's the word, a, a, a nasty, a subtle risk, which could have far greater impacts and cause far greater damage. Yeah, I think so. I think this is, this is a real problem. Yes. How, how do we, and when I say we, I don't mean you and me, although right. I don't not mean you and I, um, but how do you combat or, I mean, uh, what do you do about this? So, so I, I think in part this is one of those questions or one of those issues where you have to raise awareness and I, I hate using the term literacy mm -hmm. but there's got to be a, a certain degree of literacy in terms of how you critically appraise whether something is appropriate or inappropriate. Yeah. So for instance in this case it, it ticks a lot of boxes which would suggest that it's not a great idea mm -hmm. all the way through from it being ethically very, very questionable mm -hmm. indeed to predict what somebody might do, which is nefarious, right. all the way through to the, the scientific basis of it, which from what we can see is completely cracked. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, that may not be the case, but certainly from the evidence we've got, mm -hmm. there doesn't seem to be any strong evidential basis for the results you get. Mm -hmm. And I think the more people have got the ability to look at something like this and very quickly work out whether it actually makes sense or doesn't make sense, mm -hmm. um, the more likely we are for companies in particular to not use tools like this. I think that's right. Um, but still the damage can be done. Yeah. Certainly companies use other you know, psychological profiling, testing. There are plenty other similarly looking right. tests out there. I've gone through those batteries of tests for different, you know, jobs and educational things yes. and um, but, but this has got a 
different feel. It to does it. have a different so, feel. So the the usual sort of profiling tests and there are big question marks over them as over well. All of because them. because yeah. there are dangers that they actually pigeonhole you into an area and mm-hmm. actually they miss some of your potential. Sure. And they get people to not think of themselves as capable of, of doing mm-hmm. different things. But in some ways they're useful in terms of they give you an idea of what you're good at, what you're bad at, mm-hmm. how you can actually improve. Right. This goes two steps further. So one, it doesn't just look, take a positive view of what you can productively do and how you can do it better, right. um, but it gives somebody else mm-hmm. uh, a stick in order to beat you with. So this yeah. is not about you, it's about your employer and mm-hmm. about them managing future risk. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really help you at all. But no. secondly, it's based on this very erroneous, erroneous idea that you can predict behavior from yeah. about, uh, uh-huh. 20 questions or whatever. And so maybe the maybe the key to stopping this nonsense in its tracks is the movement in replication science recently that's demonstrated that like the vast majority of psychological, you know, scientifically mm-hmm. derived psych- yes. evidence is bunk. It's these these trials that have been published are not That's right. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Maybe to understand that this is underscored by what is, um, you know, fundamentally crap. (laughs) Right. Right. To use the technical term. To use the technical term, you know, built on a foundation of feces is, (laughs) and which is not to say that fecal matter cannot be useful for many things. Of course. Clearly it is. And I did not think that we were going to end up. Right, right, right. But certainly, I, I think the, the, the bottom line here is be very careful with using tools like this, which are not helpful and are scientifically incredibly dubious, as well as being ethically dubious. Yes. Now, should we be reprising this conversation from, you know, a medium security facility in the <laughs> right, future, yeah. then we'll know, well, maybe there was something to it. Well, that's right. We'll have to Or see. we were framed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Heather. For more where that came from, including our undergraduate and graduate programs, check out the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at sfis.asu.edu. The Future Think Podcast is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation in Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at Arizona State University. Our music is by Mark Van Hare. Our production assistant is Ana Lopez. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and on Twitter at Future Think Pod.